Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max, and joining me here in the booth is Gideon. And today we're going to be talking about Austin Powers and Tenant. These two movies uh, typically aren't seen as, like, comparable movies, but we figured they were both kind of spy movie kind of things, and one being more from the comedic end, and the other one being more uh, on the serious side of things. Gideon, uh, what would you say about uh, Tenant? Tenant is definitely much more of a... uh intense experience compared to uh austin powers that's for sure yeah it uh i was actually very impressed i i went into it thinking i would not like it i'm not the biggest christopher nolan fan i like what i've seen of his but there are certain movies of his that he's made that i am not a uh major like i they never really drew my attention too much if that makes sense like inception i never felt the inclination to go watch it Whereas Tenant was kind of along the same lines, but I'm glad I did. I'm glad you motivated me to go see it. Um, and uh, I mean, I think you got to watch Inception before you can judge it, though. <sighs> That's true. Well, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I can get a pretty good feel no, of things can't. from the trailer, no, you but. Can't. That's not fair. Says the guy who never watches movie trailers. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the whole. That's my whole thing. You can't judge it unless you watch it. Okay. And so if you are only watching the trailer, you know. Yeah. Well, I I always feel like it's like, you know, the sample at an ice cream store. The trailer is just that little mini spoon they give you of whatever flavor you want. And if, you know, if you like it, then you buy the whole cup. Uh, So that's that is always my feeling about trailers. But I am glad uh, you made me watch Tenet because I was pleasantly surprised by it. I definitely will need to go see it again because it's kind of a confusing uh, film overall. Like, I, I feel like I didn't get didn't get a full grasp of every concept that was being thrown at me in that first viewing. And you had said something about the level of audio balance in it. And, um, yeah, the audio balance was under like, a some controversy just because people weren't able to literally hear the movie, um, in the theaters. Yeah. Um, I've seen it twice. The first time I was kind of sympathetic to that. And then I saw it again and it was less, I kind of was actually able to understand what was going on at that point. Um, but not, I don't think it was even just because I had seen it a second time. It's because like I saw it in IMAX 70 millimeter yeah. where they were actually projecting it and, and doing it the way that it was supposed to be done. And like, it was just not even comparable. Like the IMAX had such better sound. Like I could actually hear what was happening. Yeah. Um, and I think it was the, just the presentation, not the actual sound mixing. But I mean, there have been a lot of people who have said I couldn't hear it. So I don't know. If it's the presentation or the mixing itself, it's really a tough kind of thing. I think typically it's the um, mixing. A, a, a TV show that is the probably worst offender of bad audio mixing as far as <clears throat> balancing um, spoken word and then the sound effects uh, is 
The Man in the High Castle. If you've ever seen that on Amazon Prime, um, that that show you gotta like crank it and uh, gotta crank it just to hear the regular audio. But then the moment it's 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 not somebody talking, then the sound effects are like crazy loud because you've cranked it. And there's not good balance there. It's one of those shows that you almost got to watch with subtitles, even though it's in English. And uh, everybody's speaking with an American accent. But um, I think despite some minor audio issues with, with that movie, with Tenant, uh, I, I, I very much enjoyed it. I think it has one of the coolest openings to a movie ever. I, I oh, yeah, love it's, it's pretty rad. I loved that opening. And I'm not... A, a Chris Nolan super fan, but if I ever was to direct a movie and I needed to hire somebody to write a heist scene or something, I want him. I want him to write it because he is, I think, the greatest writer for any sort of heist scene I've ever seen. Well, then you have to watch Inception, dude. I, I Inception's literally in the genre of heist movie. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, then I definitely feel motivated to do so. Um, but I'm thinking of like the opening of Dark Knight is it has kind of a similar vibe to this where it's the opening of this, but it, it opens up on this Kiev opera uh, kind of mission that I, you don't really I, I, I had a hard time understanding what exactly was happening with that uh, mission, like why they were there initially. Yeah. And this is just within the first five minutes. There's no real spoilers to this, but it was just even not knowing what exactly was going on. I thought it was one of the coolest um one of the coolest openings to a movie ever. And um, that that right off the bat started it at this really high point. It kind of went down a little bit, but it never went so far down that it was a bad movie, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, they really are kind of in that opening. It's a lot of visual information as opposed to just like expositional information. And the movie is going to go on to be a lot of exposition. Um, but I think that's kind of what the weird thing about this movie is is like they have that one scientist who says um don't try to understand it just feel it and i think this movie works on two different levels where you can both either experience it on just like a visual level and a and a sound level and like just like let the uh, images wash over you and kind of like viscerally experience it and then there's also the other side of things where you can just kind of watch it and delve into the physics and try to understand what's actually going on and track things from different perspectives. And like, there's a whole, there's a whole lot going on in this movie. Um, But it's also for me was just enjoyable on a visceral level of watching things that happen. I think that opening scene is probably uh, is setting the tone for, for what's going to come as far as uh, a big experience in the theater. Yeah. And uh, as it, like I said, as it went on, I don't think it was as good as I had, uh, it, it it didn't keep up that level that the opening did, but I still think it was a good movie overall. I would definitely go to th- the theater and rewatch it because I feel like I really need to go see this like a couple times to get to fully understand it. And it's a movie I want to fully understand. It was a cool movie. Yeah. It definitely left me with this like awesome feeling as I was leaving the theater. Made me want to do a video like you did where you kind of like reversed you know, all your stuff. And I was thinking of some oh, yeah. cool Let's scenes. Plug myself. Yeah. Gideon, search up Gideon Patrick on YouTube and watch me walk in reverse and eat Chick-fil-A in reverse. Yeah. That, <laughs> that part, uh, 
was a little iffy, but uh, besides that, I think I, I now understand everything you were trying to do with that, and I can appreciate just that you had fun with it. Yeah. Um, but I'll try to explain a little bit of what this movie is about, that that yeah. there is like, I, and how do I do this without spoilers, because this is one of the... Um, bigger one of the bigger movies uh I mean, you of, don't really want to know a whole ton yeah. going in i don't think like even it, if but the thing is also even if you did know mm-hmm. it's gonna be i think the way that i would best explain it is just like it's a james bond spy movie like it's it's a very much inspired by james bond and that's something just james bonds but like spy movies in general mm-hmm. it's got classic espionage classic heists classic like gunfights and everything you got the bond girl in it got the <laughs> bond girl got the bond villain everything but it's also got like a lot of crazy concepts that yeah crazy concepts that would never make it in a james bond movie right exactly it's got things moving in inverse and the whole thing is about like time inversion time inversion so i think that's as like it's got the the main character is the protagonist played by john david washington who is basically like in unknown in this world of espionage except you don't really know where he came from he's some sort of special forces right. though and you don't know if he's like a really good know. guy of special you really forces don't know anything else other than that yeah you don't even know if he's like a good special forces or if he's right. like working for some like you know blacklist assassination group you right. have no it's idea like what the he's definition working. of and media res like yeah. you're in with him and you never see what happened before the moment that you start yeah um and so you're just kind of living in the moment like it, mm-hmm. again it's like it, this experiential like dunkirk is the same way where they he just drops you in and expects you to kind of pick up information as much as you can here and there yep. trying to un, like but it's very much intended to be you're in the shoes of the protagonist and watching everything unfold from his perspective yep uh it's it's a story yeah like like i said like like you said it was kind of bond-esque where you have this villain that's kind of got this world ending situation happening and you know that there's some bigger thing going on, but it's not even nukes. It's even bigger. And, um, he's essentially our, our main character is hired to kind of use his expertise to help prevent this giant cataclysm from happening. That has to do with time inversion. And you don't really know what, you don't know who's in control of this or what's going on. And slowly this mystery is unveiled. And then there are large action uh, scenes towards the end that are really cool and I think it's an experience in a theater for sure and you know I'm glad that this is one of the ones that is coming out you know to kind of get us back in the swing of going to movies yeah or to I mean, attempt really, to I would you would hope that it would do better than it is honestly like it it really is not I mean it's it's tough to say because like you do have the fact that there is the pandemic going on um and it's really there's no precedent for this yep. in terms of box office uh, analyzing, um, but as far as like if you compare this to what this movie would have done had there not been a pandemic, it's definitely suffering. Yeah. Um, so the the difficulty is just seeing like is this performing well enough for other movies really? And at this point, it seems like it's not. Like they're just everything has been moved at this point. Like James Bond moved again. Um, Pixar's soul has now gone Disney Plus. Yep. Um, it's just all very depressing, uh, the state of of movie theaters. I think I don't remember and, where Wonder Woman's landing. That's one I wanted to go well, see. Well, Wonder Woman, I think, is has moved several times. I think now Wonder Woman is the next big release. Yeah. That's gonna hap that's hasn't budged yet. Good. Um Well, I know as, they pushed it back already, but now we're reaching the pushback point, you know. Because originally it was supposed to come out i think months ago you well know? it was supposed or, to come out months ago and then i got delayed again yep um right now i think it's planned for christmas day 
mm. um, as far as I'm aware. Uh, but it could move further if yeah. things continue to go downhill. And I hope they won't. I mean, if Wonder Woman comes out and it turns out to be a big hit, hopefully that could bode well for the future of movie going in the theaters. But it's really like, it's so weird though. Like you you see, I, I mean, I've seen Tenet now twice in the theaters and it's like you watch it and you're, I'm so adrenalized by the experience of going to the theater. And mm -hmm. it's like, why is this not happening to everybody else? Like I experienced I this and you kind of want the rest of culture to kind of go along with you and say like, okay, going to movie theaters is great. Like, and this is the best movie that could possibly bring movie theaters back to life. But the problem is that the numbers just aren't necessarily reflecting that. And that's just sad to me. I have a little bit of a counterpoint. I think this movie isn't for your average movie door. I don't, I don't think, I think it's a very specialized movie. I think it's a broad, I mean, it's hard to explain here. It's a broad specialized movie. So like you wouldn't usually take your, your girlfriend or something to go see like the latest James Bond movie. Not usually, you know, I wouldn't take my mom to go see this movie. You know, it's like you have these situations where. This is for the movie lover. This is for the person who it knows the craft, who isn't just sitting there, you know, for like a isn't isn't just the person who's going to go to a Transformers movie and like turn their brain off for five or for for two hours and then you know eat some popcorn and leave. This is for the person who actually like really loves cinema and loves the uh, the act of going to it. Which that's true, but I still think I it's it satisfies its requirements as far as like a genre picture goes like it, it satisfies the action genre as much as like a james bond or a transformers possibly could yep yeah all right well when we return from this quick little break here uh we're going to lay out our scores for tenant and then after that we're going to discuss the first austin powers movie so stick around Story News in Washington, I'm Simon Marks. The British government is implementing the strictest tier of lockdown measures on the city of Manchester, despite the protests of its leaders. The city and surrounding region in northwest England has a very high rate of infection, but the mayor, Andy Burnham, is refusing to implement a tier three lockdown without additional financial support. From FSN's London bureau, Stuart Smith reports. After more than a week of negotiations, the UK government will force Manchester into Tier 3 lockdown without a package of additional financial support. The Mayor of Manchester, Andy Burnham, says it's a matter of principle that he's standing up for the lowest paid. But now there will be no extra money apart from a standard package to help with contact tracing. He said at no point today were we offered enough to protect the poorest people in our communities. Greater Manchester's 2.8 million residents will still be eligible for other government support for those whose places of work are forced to close. Stuart Smith, London. And Britain has recorded another 241 COVID-19 deaths, the highest daily increase in fatalities since early June. The US and Russia are closing in on a deal to extend a key strategic arms reduction treaty for another year and freeze each side's nuclear warhead stockpile. The treaty, which is due to expire in February, is the last remaining arms control agreement between Washington and Moscow. From FSN's bureau in New York, Leeling Tan reports. The U.S. on Tuesday welcomed Russia's offer to temporarily extend by a year the new strategic arms reduction treaty known as New START and also freeze the total number of nuclear warheads during this time. Russia earlier pushed for an extension without conditions. The compromise marks a win for the Trump administration, which has been pursuing an agreement before the U.S. elections on November 3rd. The temporary extension could pave the way for a later deal that the Trump administration hopes would also include China. 
The New START treaty reached a decade ago sets limits on warheads, launches and delivery systems and was up for five-year renewal when it expires February 5th. I'm Leeling Tan in New York. America's First Lady Melania Trump has pulled out of plans to campaign alongside her husband, citing a persistent cough resulting from her recent bout of coronavirus. Former President Barack Obama will publicly campaign on Wednesday for Joe Biden for the first time. He'll address a drive-in rally in Philadelphia. A new poll today shows Joe Biden maintaining a nine-point lead over the president. The musician Spencer Davis has died at the age of 81. Welshman won transatlantic fame in the 60s and 70s with his Spencer Davis band. His hits included Keep On Running and Gimme Some Loving. Spencer Davis lived on an island off Southern California and had been battling pneumonia. From bureaus worldwide, this is FSN. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Now, Gideon and I here on Script to Screen are going to be scoring Tenant uh, on our Script to Screen scale. So, first category, Gideon. Uh, first impression. I liked it a lot. I think it has some issues. Um, obviously, with 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 aesthetic qualities, um, with certain levels of keeping the hype up throughout the whole movie. But overall, I think it was a very good movie. I will definitely rewatch it. It's it's at a level where I would easily go back to the theater and see it again. Yeah, that's really interesting that you say like having a trouble keeping the hype up with it because like i feel like a lot of some people complaint that i've seen about this movie is like it's too quickly paced and it's kind of hard to keep track of everything that's going on as far as like even just in the spy stuff because it's so quickly paced mm-hmm. um it's like kind of like an acid trip on it like the dark knight is very similarly paced to this where it's just like this thing happens and then it's like it goes 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 it does literally does not stop yeah. for anything mm-hmm. like there's no slow paced scenes in the entire movie basically yeah um which i don't know how i feel about that like i don't like i don't think i would ever make a movie that way but i can't it's hard because i feel like it's the thing i talked about last week right about judging it based on its intention judging a movie based on its intentions and the movie's intentions are very obviously to to create this like insane trip where it's going to be non-stop from start to finish yeah. um which is why I don't, I'm not sure what you mean when you say like it couldn't keep up the hype because I feel like this this star, I mean it's got obviously that opening scene that's like super in, like awesome right but then and then after that they're just like it's not reaching that and but it's not trying like it's it can't keep up it can't it's not gonna be Mad Max Fury Road where there's action scenes the entire time because that's yeah. just a different type of movie mm-hmm. it's a spy movie so they're gonna have the general spy genre elements of them going around and and globe hop but like even that stuff is crazy to me like the fact that Nolan is basically filming scenes that other movies would basically take a very small budget, like sit the actors down, have them talk. And here he's like having like them walk and they're in literally on location filming Mm -hmm. everything. Like you can literally see the money being spent on screen um, and everything. And that's why I mean, like that's I'm, I, there's never a point where this movie feels like it slows down to me is all I mean to say. My point is not that it needs to be super intense the whole time, but a James Bond movie usually starts with the cool set piece at the beginning and, and a cool action scene but the rest of the movie is still as good as as that opening. This one, I didn't feel like the rest of the movie was as good as the opening. So, like, you're saying I, there's never a set piece that matches the opening is what you're saying? Like, as never- cool. Is, yeah, there's never a scene that's as cool as that opening. Okay, and it I doesn't main, And it doesn't maintain it throughout the whole thing. Like, I would literally, 
I right after I came came out of that theater, I, I went on to YouTube to see if I could rewatch that opening because that was the part of the movie I wanted to watch the most. And when I go back to the theater, that's the part I'm most excited for is that opening scene. I it, think the it, opening it was, is like the third best set piece in this movie. I I I disagree, but I mean, because the other you, there's two, the so other much two, room I mean, for argument there. I mean, there's two that count as one basically. If yeah. you know what I'm talking about, yeah. Um, and then there's the ending, right? And that also there's one specific part with the building, yeah, <laughs> that blows that, my mind. That like one is hard for me to understand. I I I've I've literally spent probably in like hours at this point trying to figure out what's actually happening, and I think I haven't figured out like how it works and everything. Yeah. Um. By now, and but like I think it's like like it's those two scenes. The one that the the one that I'm talking about yes. that two actors one and the building oh. those two things are like things I've literally never seen on film before yeah and that's why I love this like what why I think this movie is as great as it is is because it's like it's doing something I have literally never seen before and doing it in a way that's visceral and creates an emotional like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh response to it yeah that, like you want something like the Matrix where we're like Matrix when the Matrix came out in 1999 and they're doing Bullet Time like that's something that no one had ever seen before and it's yeah. like a crazy like achievement and this feels like that kind of achievement whereas the opening is a great scene it just is not that same level of holy crap what is even happening right now it feels very similar to that dark knight opening so what's your which score? has been done before i mean the, and the dark knight opening is great um for first impression my score is a nine i mean i think mine is a seven okay just because like i said it's good enough for a rewatch and uh i enjoyed it I, but there were some issues I had with it, and maybe it would get fixed with a the theater. But the theaters at my disposal right now, outside of driving two hours, are not yeah. what you're s describing. I need to, I need to see it in. But yeah. I, I would still rewatch it. I wouldn't recommend like taking a five hour road trip to see this. I'm about that to take very, a two hour one tomorrow. That was very much in excess for a YouTube video more than anything else. Yeah. Um. Okay. So yeah, I, I would give it a seven. So uh, next category then. Uh, next category is story. Story was very cool. I liked that a lot. I think the way it was written overall is a very, very um, intricate. It's almost like a, a Rubik's Cube in written form. You know, yep. it's like mm -hmm. it's a puzzle, but it's somehow if you do it the right way, it comes together. And again, I will need to rewatch it, but I'm sure I, I trust Christopher Nolan to make sense. And if I I feel like it's just me needing to catch up with understanding it. Right. But it will make sense once I understand it. Yeah, I think that's been a lot of the critique. It's like. Either the movie makes sense and you're going to have to work to make it make sense or mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense because you're not willing to make it make sense, I think, are the two different camps. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it was definitely a strong suit. Um, overall, score for yeah. score for the story, I would give it, uh, man, I'm between an eight and a nine. I I think it's an, I'm going to give it an eight. Okay. I'm, I don't think I can go higher than that with this. All right. So for me... Comparing this to something like Inception, which is also very much like uh, interested in the intricacies of like how a plot can work and like the then the time mm -hmm. and the time dis, dis, uh, like distortion. Dis, yes, distortion is what I was looking for. Um, I think Inception has a much better story than Tenet, though, mm. because Inception weaves a very emotional and poignant story into its uh, time, its interest with time, whereas Tenet is much more concerned with um, the physics and the time inversions and stuff like that where compared to Inception, which actually has like this very emotionally engaging story happening at the heart of it. Um, Tenet 
kind of has that. It has, but I don't feel like that's as between the protagonist and Neil is the thing that I'm mostly talking about. Um, but I don't think that's as strong as it possibly could have been. And again, I'm not sure if that's the movie and movie's intentions or not because like the movie is trying to uh, be this puzzle box and I love it for that because I've never really seen a movie do that before mm -hmm. as far as like literally just care only about the puzzle box and just present it as like this insane trip basically a, a math problem yeah and I love math so I love watching movie <laughs> that's basically a math problem and a lot of like critics have hated that because they don't want to watch me to watch a math problem and I was like well, they're presenting this movie as a math problem and I love math and they're doing that and I've never seen anybody do that before so that's why I love it for that but mm -hmm. like it compared to, uh, like, Inception, Inception manages to do both. Mm. So I don't think I can, like, the story for what it accomplishes is great, but it doesn't have the extra emotional boost to it. It tries to, it's just not as poignant as it possibly could have been. So I think I'm going to also go with an 8 for me. Okay. Because, like, what it accomplishes on a story level, as far as, like, the the way it works and moves between like the different set pieces and stuff like that i think is also but like mission impossible fallout also does this like christopher mccrory is great at moving from set piece to set piece mm -hmm. and like at delivering expositional information in a way that makes sense and makes the story make sense like compared to this i think mission impossible fallout does a better job of that than this does yeah but this is also worrying about a lot more complicated um <laughs> things as far as uh, its plot goes that most movies don't have to worry about making make sense. Okay. All right. Our next category is acting. Acting was uh was okay. I don't think. I mean, I that's tough to say because I mean I felt like everybody did their job, but nobody was like super outstanding. <clears throat> you know, it's like they, yeah, it's just I, everybody's average. I don't know. I would give it a six or a seven. I don't think anybody did an outstanding job in any way, in, in any way, but nobody was bad. So I don't know. I'm probably going to give it a six in acting. I think that the acting in this movie is totally underrated. You think so? Yeah. I, I feel like John. Uh, is that a jab at me, bro? No, no. I mean, I mean, you are, you're just following them with the joy. I mean, I don't think anyone's been saying like the acting's bad or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that John David's Washington's performance here is crazy good. Like, because we're sitting in his, like, it's the same thing that Fionn Whitehead did in Dunkirk. Like, because we don't know that much about his character, like it's all in the performance because everything about the character that we're learning is, is largely coming from the performance. And like Christopher Nolan, I think has to do a great job in casting because because of that because like he knows his stories are about like these last two at least have mm -hmm. been putting us in this in the shoot of the character and then making us watch the story through their eyes and so like if the character if the performance is not communicating that then there's not that information being communicated but john david washington is totally communicating all the information that we need about his need to know about his character as he's experiencing everything that's happening and i think his performance is off the charts insane in this movie um and also pattinson robert pattinson he was great is great in this movie too. i think he's the best like, those one. two are both giving insane performances and everyone else is is largely uh like those, two, I, mean, I mean, you got Elizabeth Debicki, who I also think is is doing great work here. Um, they actually let her be tall in this movie because she's like six three in in real life, but in all the other movies, she's like doesn't look like she's actually six three. In this movie, they actually let her be six three, um, and I saw. I think that's really interesting. Um, but for acting, I think it's very solid. I'm gonna give this an eight. Yeah. What was your score? For acting, it was a six. Okay. And um, with story, I gave it an eight. Correct. Correct. I. 
there was one thing that you I said between an eight and a nine. I have to actually bring it down to a seven. Why? Because what? because no. there were predictable aspects of it. No certain what? certain plot points okay. I called way early on in this thing, and because of that, I I can't. Um, I can't in good conscience give it. Could possibly I, talk I about, will. Ex- I will explain it afterwards. Okay. But there were certain aspects the next that had to do with the end that I called. I, and okay. and I mean, it won't take us forever to oh, explain. Maybe I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there won't, and it, I, I did, mean, we'll, no, we'll, we'll I, a lot no, a few more oh, minutes oh, here. That's interesting. I predicted this. I did too. Okay. I literally saw it coming. Okay. I don't care though. <laughs> okay. I don't think that's detracting to the movie. But I that, did all. If I if I know what you're talking about, yeah, I did see that coming. We'll we'll fi- we'll all right. We'll discuss it after. Look and feels next category. We can go shoot more movies on film. Yeah. That that shoot more movies on film. Look and That's feel probably look and feel. is is probably one of the best uh, features as well. I would give this a solid. I will give it a solid ten. I mean, there. I mean, there's no. I mean, I don't. I can't think of a way that they could have done it better. Um, like, I people I've seen some takes be like, well, Christopher Nolan should do. Pra- Christopher Nolan's a dinosaur for shooting on practical effects. I'm like, okay, maybe, but like, no. Also, no, because like when that plane drives across the parking lot yeah that was and it's cool. all real it's I, like blows your mind because like you i couldn't cannot, imagine you can't achieve that in a computer it's not possible you can't do it i don't believe you if you say you can you can't I, you're lying because like <laughs> what they do in this movie as far as practical effects are concerned and shooting on film like it just all feels real like and especially watching it in 70 millimeter yeah <laughs> is also insane but I, like I can't imagine anything this being do it being done better in any respect. Like, and also the score, Ludwig Göransson stepping in for uh, Nolan's normal collaborator Hans Zimmer. Yep. Like he does great work here. I've mm-hmm. listened to the soundtrack probably twenty times <laughs> since it's come out. Like yeah, everything man. here in look and feel category is insane. So what are you I doing? Th- it? I'm not gonna give it a ten. <laughs> You're gonna give it a nine. I'm gonna give it a nine because like there's different things. Like as far as moving the camera is something that Nolan's never been super great at. Mm-hmm. Like somebody like Paul Thomas Anderson or Steven Spielberg, like they are masters at, or even Quentin Tarantino. It's maybe a lesser respect and lesser extent than those two. But like Nolan has never been great at doing that and using the camera as far as like rack focuses or dollies or anything like that. He doesn't use that usually. Um, and I think it makes his movies worse because it's just they don't have that extra level that somebody like Spielberg brings to a property when it comes to moving the camera. Um, and I think he's still working on that here dunkirk he has he he did evolve that a little bit more Mm -hmm. um here he is like it's a difficult thing because he's like like that tracking shot going into the into the art thing after the plane crash yeah that is like that's great and everything going (laughs) backwards is crazy but i think still he's not using like using camera movement that has a specific purpose and meaning Okay. Um, he he's never been perfect at that, and I think that still drags him back here. So I think I'm still going to go with a nine for look and feel. All right, next uh, category then. Uh, final category is effect. So overall experience with yes. the movie. How did you feel? What did, did you laugh? Did you cry? Etc. I was very pleased with this movie. I think overall I would give this a seven. It did it, for effect. Yeah, for effect. I think it um, gave me that like feeling when you leave the theater that you're questioning the stuff you want to, you know, for a brief time, it motivated me to want to do a video like you did, like yeah. that sort of thing. And I'm thinking of that, but it didn't last super long. Certain ones will okay, make it yeah, last yeah. really long for me, like where I just want to get in that world. Golden Compass being the number one example of this for me, because I, I like right after I watched that, I made like an original character demon and like yeah, all this yeah. other stuff. This one didn't do that for me, but it still was a very enjoyable movie and I had a great time watching it and I will watch it again. So seven for me yeah. for that. I think if anything, 
this movie is an experience. Um, I think that's probably what's been labeled as the most. Mm -hmm. And there have been people who have been saying it doesn't last after the fact. But, I mean, for me, as far as, like, just someone who's so interested in math and physics, like, it, it, it lasts in that respect. But it's just as far as, like, experiencing the movie itself in the, in the two-and-a-half-hour runtime, like, it's an adrenaline rush, and I loved every second of it, regardless yeah. of how much it made sense in the moment. So, like, yes. this has to be a 10 for me. And, okay. like, I even got emotionally hit by, at the end. Like, even as much as I degraded, like, what I was saying before with the story, yes. like, I, I still felt, I still got an emotional hit off the end and what they do there. Mm -hmm. um, I know what you're talking about. Right. Like, I, like that, I was like, oh... I'm feeling things all of a sudden and I didn't expect that. Yeah. Um, and so, like, it just works on every level as far as, like, uh, a movie theater experience goes. And I loved it for that. All right. So then don't tell the scores just yet. We're going to go to a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll do the scores back for that. The, and back then the final scores. Yep. Hi, I'm Larry Miller. Weekdays at 11, we bring you programs on topics you can use. From computers to health, home repair to gardening, our experts have answers to your questions. And we discuss Wisconsin's natural areas and the best ways to enjoy them. Weekday mornings at 11, here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. And we're back. Gideon, what was the uh, total score then for our film tenant here? We had... An 81 out of 100. Solid. That's pretty good. Which is very solid. It puts it between uh, The Shining at an 84 and Ready Player One at a 79. Okay, cool. And also Christopher Nolan's other movie, The Prestige, at an 87, which I'm kind of surprised by because, like, basically the way that you reacted to The Prestige to me, mm -hmm. it made it seem like the ten that you liked Tenet more than The Prestige. Yeah, I I think I did. I did like the tenant. I, I think I did like tenant more than the prestige. But at the same time, uh, there were some issue more more glaring issues with the prestige. And I don't know, there was something about the mystery of that and like how that unfurls. Again, it's like another weird con conceptual one where it's this kind of sci fi. Yeah, situation and that I, you don't know what's going on until the very end. Right, and I like the. Pre I think the Prestige is one of Nolan's best movies. Like this is Tenet is not even in the same league as the Prestige, as far as I'm concerned. Well, um, even with its even with Tenet's not so great theater opening, I feel like more people know what Tenet is than the Prestige. <laughs> That's the, I think yeah, Prestige is a is I mean, a failure of marketing. Uh, it's a great movie that just didn't have good marketing that didn't get out there enough. Because I I, I when I bring that up to people, nobody knows what that movie is. I didn't know what hmm. it was until you brought it up to me. But Enough about that. Uh, yeah, time to move on. Time to move on to the first Austin Powers movie. Yeah. <laughs> so you had never seen this uh, going I into this, right? This. I was very interested in this as far as just like, or not interested. Interested is definitely the wrong word. <laughs> <laughs> I was curious to see this because of its like cultural impact and mm -hmm. just like how much you see Austin Powers. Yeah. And like, over, over like just anything in general culture. It's the great parody of of James Bond here, where where Tenet is like kind of a a, a like a not riff, an homage, like but riff. like well, in, in some ways it's an homage. Like it's very much inspired by spy movies yes. and the, and that genre. Like di different from like Hot Fuzz, where yeah. it's like both an homage to and a parody of yeah. uh, cop movies. It's not quite that, and Austin, Austin Powers. Austin Powers, Powers is a full blown parody. It's, like, I think it's, it's a full blown, blown parody, and that's why I don't like it. You don't like you don't because like straight it, up parodies. You don't like Naked Gun well, or Airplane or anything it's like that. Because it doesn't feel like it has enough reverence for, to the to like 
spy stuff, like James Bond or anything like that. Like, it feels like it's only trying to be funny and doesn't accomplish what it needs to as far as, like, the literal genre elements. Like, mm. it's genre elements and the way the plot evolves is so boring to me. Like, literally <laughs> nothing, almost nothing happens. It's only, and it's only an hour and a half long. Like, it feels like it only exists to tell the jokes, and that's not interesting to me. Okay. I don't know. I, I think that the first Austin Powers movie is not as good as the second one. And I feel like the jokes. Well, we're reviewing the first. One, I know, so. I know. And I, I wish I had just had you watch the first two. Uh, the third one, Goldmember, is is all right as well. But um, but yeah, the first this first one is okay. I re- I had to rewatch it because I I haven't watched this movie in a long time. And then I just went back to back. I watched the first and second. Yeah. And I thought it was all right. I think I the second not one's better. Watch the second one after watching. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man, the second one's better. But this one, I think, was all right. And I, I mean, there were still jokes in that I find very funny. And I mean, Michael Myers playing Doctor Evil is just he's he's one of the greatest parody characters ever of, yeah. of all this all, of all the bond villains and everything and just his the character of dr evil is i think the best part of of any austin powers movie i mean i think he's probably funnier than austin powers oh yeah absolutely is because like he's like it's weird like i care more it's okay that's a weird thing to say but like i care more about his part dr. of the story evil than i do about austin powers yes and that's not a like a good uh start to a movie like that's not a way that you want to go i i think i think that i felt the same way i feel like his part of the movies are the ones i most was enjoying watching and then when it actually focuses on austin powers i didn't care as much uh that is yeah. definitely a, an issue and and i think it carries through through all of them like people watch austin powers movie not to watch austin powers necessarily but to watch dr evil yeah i just found austin powers annoying yeah yeah like, i mean and that's certain parts shtick, yeah but like it's just not I don't know. True. Like, whereas, I mean, whereas you look at something, I'm going to go back to Hot Fuzz again because it's a good example as far as like showing what a parody movie can be. Mm-hmm. Um, like it has an involving main character, or even Shaun of the Dead, Edgar Wright's other part of the Cornetto trilogy. Um, both have like really involving main characters with very obvious flaws um, that evolve throughout the course of their movie in a very convincing way. Well, at the exact same time, setting up their genres, but like they're still doing what they need to do as far as like actually creating an involving plot and using a character to like be involved with that. Whereas this is just like they kind of did that with him like being from the 60s and moving into the 90s in, in mm-hmm. Austin Powers and like having him kind of have to deal with the fact that he's in a culture 30 years from where he started. But like that's only like used for jokes and they yeah. don't like, and it's, it's not really, um, has anything to do with the plot with it's Dr. not fully Evil realized either. like there's nothing really like it needs to be woven into the plot more than yep. it is um for it to and be a truly that. engaging um movie from start to finish yeah I, I i think you're right about that and i i don't think the austin powers parts of those movies are the best i really think it is is a matter of the dr evil parts being the best yeah. parts of the film and, and i can see if you're engaged with that and you yeah. think that's funny then you can come over did come you, away from this positively were you laughing from this movie did it were I there mean, some jokes that landed pretty well yes there were some things okay so this movie does this thing that the simpsons kind of not necessarily coined but made popular where you do this thing that's kind of funny but not really and then you do it again and then again and again and again, and eventually it becomes funny again, and then it becomes even funnier than it was the first time because you've done it so many times by now. Mm. Um, there's this one episode of The Simpsons where um, Sideshow Bob steps on a rake, 
and it comes up and smacks him in the face and you're like, oh, huh, that's kind of funny. And then he does it again and again and it gets oh, funnier and all funnier. It's right like away. The like, funniest joke I've ever seen on The Simpsons because he just keeps stepping on rakes and it, he literally steps on like 15 different rakes and it goes on for like a full minute and it never gets, it's like funny so the what was time. what was that part in, in like, Austin Powers? There's so many times where they try to do it. Like I couldn't even, like I like the, the begin like when he's peeing into the thing after he comes out of cryo sleep. Like that goes on for a full minute. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and it keeps interrupting the yeah, over voice. I mean, con- there's yeah. that's the example that I think of right away. But like, there's more than just that. But like, it's just not like that's not funny at the beginning, and it's not funny at the end. Like, I see what you're trying to do. Like, I, you're obviously doing the same thing, but it's just not working to me for me. I I think one of the great greater Austin Powers jokes in specifically on his character is like everybody loves the corridor scene where he's got the little little cart. And he's trying to turn it around in the oh, corridor. Yeah, that was funny. That and was it's funny. like the exact size. And it goes on. Yo, that's another yeah. one where it goes on. It keeps going on and on. And on. Yeah. I did think that was funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. The other one good. That, I, that I think of was funny is when he's he's in the steamroller and he's going. Oh, and, and the, the guy's guy like a mile away from him. There. Yeah, and he's <laughs> and then he keeps going and then he just doesn't move until they yeah. run him get, over. Get out of the way! And he's just yeah. still screaming. I did think that was funny. Yeah, um, <laughs> they choose like the slowest vehicle possible yeah. for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, or uh, Mustafa when he's in the in the when he gets launched into the fire chamber. Right. Yes, again. That's another. That goes one. on like, and it comes back, and then you think it's gonna go away, and it comes back. He's, that, but like at that point, it's like it's you know what's gonna come back, so you're just waiting for it, and then when it comes back, it's just not funny. That By the way, one, they do that. They yeah. do that same kind of joke in the second one too, with oh, yeah. with Will Ferrell as oh. Mustafa. He comes back because the second one takes place, I, I think, pretty much all in the '60s. So, oh, okay. so, so he's still alive at that point, you know, and it, yeah, so they have him <laughs> yeah. in there and it's just, yeah, it's the same kind of thing. But, uh, yeah. I, what do you think of Seth Green in this? Yeah. I mean, he's just, I think I can see people finding that like hilarious. Mm-hmm. I'd never really laughed at it all that much. It's Scott. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, the concept is kind of funny. And again, it's like, I've cared more about like Dr. Evil's relationship with his son and yeah. how that was. <laughs> Like, like the way that Doctor Evil related to him was more interesting than the character himself, mm. I and mean, I think that's why he's there. And that's more interesting than like than like uh, Austin Powers' relationship with the with the girl. I don't remember what her name is. But Vanessa. Like, yeah, that whole thing is just like really, really bad sex puns, and it got on my nerves. Yeah. Because that's what all that's like half of Austin Powers. Well, all that's the thing he the, says is that like, it's just all that, and it's like yeah. Well, oh, that is like, what it just, is, though. I, I mean, know it is what it is, and it's but it seems like that's what the movie is trying to be. Like the entire time, it doesn't stop, and it I, got on my nerves. Yeah, I, and it's I not mean, funny. Yeah, I think again, Doctor Evil is better written than than Austin for sure, because um, Austin is kind of one note for for the majority of the movie. Yeah, there are certain times when it breaks away, and then the writers clearly know how to write a different joke that could apply to literally any character. But because he's also kind of a goofball character, it works better with him. Again thing in the the cart in the corridor same i mean that would work for almost any character but because he's the goofball character it it works better so there clearly is like a you know a a a good sense of knowing how to write these jokes but sometimes i think they took the the fast route with it and just kind of made these dumb sex jokes like you were saying um there's some times where they use the camera to tell a joke which i'm a huge fan of mm -hmm. um and obviously edgar wright does this really well um uh Game Night does this pretty well. Not as well as Edgar Wright does. Um, 21 Jump Street does that really well, is using the camera to tell a joke. But this movie does it sometimes, 
like the thing where they just keep randomly cutting away to Austin Power dancing. Yeah, uh, as like an was, interlude. Yeah, yeah, to I the... thought that was kind of funny. It's just like so random. Really? That was of... what, that was something you found well, funny right, like... because they're just using the yeah. medium to communicate something. A break um, in the in the in the moment. Right. And... Same thing with the well, and that's what makes the roll the roller thing funny is because they're on it and they're super close up, and then you cut away and see how far they were. Like yeah. that's using the medium to communicate a joke. I love that kind of thing. But that's not what I feel like this movie is primarily interested with. It's more interested in really poor, really unclever wordplay. Yeah. You know, that that scene with the steamroller actually made me think of um, when I was watching it, because I don't remember ever seeing that scene before, so maybe I had missed it when it was on TV. But it made me think of the Deadpool Zamboni scene. Right. Yeah. I thought the same thing. But, the exact but same. I think that's. Pro- I think that thing's probably probably uh, inspired by or directly copying. Yeah. This. But I think I think Austin Powers did it better. Because they're treating that scene seriously where, like, in that one with Deadpool, he's, like, he's like making quips at the guy he's chasing down yeah, on the yeah. Zamboni. That doesn't so land Austin as well. So is taking it seriously, yeah. yeah, it makes it funnier. I think you're right. Um, but we're going to come right back and start storing it uh, in just a moment here. Stick around, folks. Looking for school options for your child? Step Up for Students helps lower-income families with just that by awarding scholarships so children can attend the kindergarten through 12th grade school that best meets their learning needs. Step Up for Students also helps children ages 3 through 22 with certain special needs with the Gardner Scholarship. Visit stepupforstudents.org. That's stepupforstudents.org. Every child deserves a chance to succeed. And we're back. Now, uh, we are storing Austin Powers here, the first one. And uh, Gideon, what's the first category for us? All right, first impression. My first impression of this, I'm like between a four and a five. Um, between didn't like it and low side of it was okay. Um, so I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be generous today, Max. <laughs> He's going to be generous and give it a five. I'm going to be generous and, and give it a five just because I'm feeling nice. <laughs> I think you're still uh, feeling the giddiness from uh, Tenant here. I think that's why. I mean, okay, that might that might be it. I'm feeling yeah. Tenant gave me some good vibes. But also, I mean, we've been talking about the funniest parts of the movie, yeah. also, which might be factoring into it. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's it. I don't know. And again, the second one, is, I think, is even funnier. And I didn't, I, I had totally blanked on the fact that this first one doesn't even have mini me. Like, I didn't realize, like, oh my gosh, oh, yeah, this first one doesn't that. have mini me. Yeah. I'm like, and I, I, I had never realized that the second one was the one with him. Um, but uh, I've definitely seen memes with him, but yeah. I obviously didn't know what he was based on this. What's and, your score, though? For first impression, I can't even remember the first time I ever watched this movie. I think this is the first time I've ever sat down specifically and watched the whole thing start to finish. No commercials because this was on HBO. Um, So I think I will give this a six. I don't think it would be higher than that. I think the next one is better. Uh, But this one was not as good. Uh, But it still was funny. I I had definitely some moments where I was laughing in it, but it wasn't as, as good as the next one to come. Yeah. Our next category is story, and I'm not going to be as nice this time. Just say <laughs> it. Um, like I said, I think the story is definitely the weakest part of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they do include those elements as, of just basic story building that kind of is just like beginning screenwriting, basically, with him going from the 60s, 90s, and having just kind of like this general idea of his evolution of a, as a character. But again, I don't find that super compelling. I don't think the plot is evocative of that enough. Uh, to be something that I really engage with as just a piece of uh, technically sound filmmaking. Um, so this is like a three for me. I have a small tear rolling down my eye. <laughs> Why? No, I'm just kidding. No, it. Uh, 
I, I can see where you're coming from and from a more critical standpoint, yeah. But I think if you're comparing this to most traditional movies, uh, it, it's tough. I feel like you almost have to compare this to like other comedies of the time. So Naked Gun and Airplane and like all these parody movies. I mean, even the later ones in the mid-2000s that were coming out, like Scary Movie and um, Meet the Spartans, which is my favorite of like the mid-2000s parodies. Um, yeah. you know, See, I haven't seen that many parody movies either. So I don't know if that's every era seems to be a car- like they all have a, a similar uh, style to them. All of the mid to or, or early to mid 2000 parodies movies uh, were were all stylistically almost identical, I think. And same goes with the 80s and 70s parody movies that, yeah. you know, or, or like Spaceballs, which I'm trying I'm trying, kind of blanking when that came right. out. Well, it's the same. But it's all they all have a, a there is eras of these parodies. And if it if it came out in that era, the jokes are very similar in feel. And whether they're landing or not, it's all kind of the similar. Yeah. Like uh, it's feel. I think it's the problem where like look, you look at something like Spaceballs or like or this and they're shooting it generally just like a comedy. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a more effective way to do that is to shoot it like the genre that you're trying to make fun of. Mm hmm. Because I think that brings, first of all, a more a more interesting visual element to it, but also it makes your jokes funnier. It makes your makes you it demonstrates that you have a love for the source material. Because I feel like if you're if you if you don't show that you love the genre, no one's gonna really care. Because like every like unless because I personally there's not really a genre that I don't like. I love all types of genres. Um, so I feel like exhibiting bad faith as far as the genre is concerned, like it just turns me off. Yeah, and I feel like this movie didn't demonstrate enough good faith towards the spy genre because I think when you do that, it makes your jokes funnier and it makes your story better. Also, so for story for like me, using the building blocks of the genre yeah. makes your story like it to makes your story better. And if you don't have that, it doesn't quite work. And that's what this movie problem has. For me, I think the story I would give a six again, uh, and and pretty much any of my main issues with this movie are fixed by the second one. I think the second one's way better. Sure. Um, and, and most of these scores are are going up if we were if we were reviewing the second one today, but we aren't because uh, I would like to do this as a trilogy, review them all. But uh, the third one wasn't available easily uh, at this at this juncture. So we had to do just this first one. But yeah, I, de- I think we'd, I would give it a six. And then the next one is progressively better. Sure. I don't know if the if the third one I would say is as good of a score as a second, but it's one of those it's one of those trilogies where the second one's the best one, in my opinion. Yeah. But uh, next category then? Um, next category is acting. I don't know how I feel about this. I think the acting in these is is solid for what they're trying to do. I think the fact that Michael Myers yeah. plays two characters in this, he plays three yeah. in the next one. Yeah. And and again, like, it ain't just uh, three in the following one too. He, he plays like every villain in the entire series. I mean, all the main villains. He plays Dr. Evil, he plays Goldmember, he plays... Uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, oh gosh. Uh, but anyways, I'm trying to think here. Yeah. But yeah, so he, he consistently plays all of these villains throughout the thing. So I think his acting ability is actually shown off pretty well, even though he might not be amazing as Austin. Yeah. His, his range as other characters is fantastic. Right. Well, I think you said it well. They, they, they do what they're trying to go for. And even if I'm not on board with what they're trying to go for, like, He's basically, I think it seems like he's trying to do what he's trying to do as far as the character of Austin Powers is. It's just 
what he's trying to do is be really annoying. So he definitely accomplishes that. He's parodying the fact that all these women in the James Bond movies right. love James Bond. So yeah. he's he's making a parody of that. He's not this attractive guy at all. Right. But these women still swoon over him. Yeah. And same with like the fact that he's got like this really hairy chest. That's yeah. a direct parody of like of the Sean Connery James Bond because sure. he there are scenes where he's at like a beach you know, in the Caribbean or whatever, he's got this super hairy chest. And I mean, I always thought that that was like a direct parody of that as well. Like, but it, it's just the theme of it. And and I, I see why you don't like that as much, but. Yeah. But well, as far as their performance is concerned, they accomplish it. It's just, I'm not, sh- I don't, not on board with their accomplishing. Yep. I will say, I only heard like Shrek's voice once in this <laughs> and I consider that a plus. Oh yeah. Cause I was like, I, that's kind of not a. I mean, my, I, I see what you mean. A serious point. The second um, movie, you'll hear it more. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I just it was one at the end. I was like, oh wait, yeah, right. This is Shrek. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think for acting, I, six is. I'll go with a six. Like it's not good. It's not bad. It's right down. Yeah. The middle. I think. I think Michael Myers carries it. Um. Yeah, and he is doing dual performances, and that and that's that's tough to pull tough off. To and pull off. it's hard to. I mean, if you're not really thinking about it, like you don't even realize that Doctor Evil is him as well. You know, you gotta almost look for like facial features and like yeah, yeah, and pick it out because he does such a yeah, different makeup, voice with the it. The makeup isn't is not bad by any stretch yeah. of the imagination. I mean, it's obviously makeup, but it's like but not it's not pulling you out of the movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, next category then. What was your score for acting? For acting, I think I'm right there with you. A six. Okay. Yeah. Maybe a seven. Maybe a seven for acting. Which one is it? I think six a seven. seven. I think a seven. All right. Um, next category is look and feel. That's a little tougher because all of them are inherently cheap looking, but that's the way parodies always are. You know, if I'm comparing it to just a regular high budget movie that's taking itself super seriously, that's one thing. But if, you know, for for all these parody movies, that's a little tougher because they don't, I I know for a fact that they don't have these high budgets. Um, But I have to stay consistent with, you know, my my main criticism of... uh, of Princess Bride, movie's a movie, uh, movie's a movie. Yeah. So I I can't say. I mean, it's it's not the greatest budget ever. I would say look and feel is probably a five. Max, infamous uh, Princess Bride disliker. Yep. Um, I I and I every time I hear somebody say like they love that movie, I'm like, uh, why? Every Just time why, man? it hurts, man. <laughs> but hurts I have to stay consistent. Every but, time. But even this movie looks way less cheap than that movie did. Dude. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> What, where are you sitting um, on Look and Feel? You say five for Look and Feel? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's not bad. I agree with you. Like, that. that is the, the it looks like a parody movie, mm-hmm. and that's what parody movies generally look like. It's just like, I don't know how, like, Princess Bride is a whole different thing. I don't even want to get into that. Yeah, no, it, we, we um, only got about five more minutes here. But. but, like, again, it's something that I just don't care for. Like, I feel like Princess Bride has better reasons for looking the way that it does than this does. Like, there's a very specific thing that the Princess Bride is doing thematically with its with its uh, visual design, whereas this feels like it only conforms to um, the the typical, you know, par- parody visual design. And um, there were some musical moments that I was a fan of. Yeah. Um, there's some... I, I definitely don't think like it's the, bad. Like the spy but... secret agent man song. Yeah. That came out, and I was like, oh, I can kind of vibe to this a little bit. Yeah. Um... But you know, I'd say I'm I I don't want to go down to a four. I think I'm gonna go with a five. Yeah, See, I, five I'm fe- like I said before, I'm feeling positive today. <laughs> I don't I'm think gonna, it's any I'm worse gonna... than a five. I mean, it's it's at the same quality of Spaceballs, or if even be- it might even be better than that. So I think 
as far as that go, I mean, like, there's a, there's a limit. Anything less than Spaceballs, you're not, it's going to look like it's super fakey, and anything above that, it's it's at a yeah, level that I, I think is all right. I haven't seen Spaceballs recently enough to really yeah. comment on that, but, but let's on go to its, on its visual, visual design specifically. Yeah, let's um, go to the next one then. All right, final category is effect, and we've already described what it is, but... I, I feel like it still makes me chuckle. There are definitely jokes in this that I was laughing at, and I love any scene with, with Dr. Evil, and, you know... I think the the fact that this movie brought that character into the cultural, you know, universe is is just fantastic. Yeah, it's probably and, its biggest cultural contribution is Dr. Evil. Yeah. And uh I, I liked it. I, I had fun with it. I don't think I was a little I was a little bummed. I, I, I didn't think I I don't think I liked it as much as I thought I would. There were definitely parts that, like what you were saying that Austin is kind of one note and I agree. Um so because of that, I I I left it feeling like yeah i want to go watch the second one because i wanted to see if that one would be better and it was but this one yeah i think the effect would be a, a six yeah i mean this doesn't really when you go into a comedy you're looking to laugh right mm -hmm. and i feel like you judge effect by how much it makes you laugh unless its intentions are obviously elsewhere yeah but this movie's intentions are obviously to make you laugh as much as possible yeah and not really much else and i laughed a couple times obviously right but I don't feel like it's a gut buster. Like it doesn't, it doesn't fulfill the my minimum bar for how much I want a movie to make me laugh. Yeah. Um, when it's when it's when it's a full out uh, out and out comedy, right? Yep. Because like that's a, those are two different things. Um, so I think like a five probably. See, it, like I'm I'm trying to figure out if I want to judge it as a movie or as a comedy, and that's the thing I'm not really sure. Because if it's like if I'm judging its effect overall as a movie, it's a four. If I'm judging its effect as a comedy overall, it's probably a five. So see, and you're coming into the scene those jokes fresher than I. That's true. Than, that's than, true. Than, than than me because I've seen these. I, I've seen it on TV a whole bunch. I've seen it. Yeah. Many times I've looked up yeah. the jokes on on YouTube. Well, it's like right. There's two different types of comedies. There's yeah. one. There's one that you watch and you laugh once and you have a good time and then mm -hmm. it's, you never go back to it because if you went back to it, slowly they, the reduces. Jokes yeah. Worse. And there's a the type of comedy where it's like you go back and every time you watch it again, it gets funnier and funnier and funnier. Yeah. And those are the kind of comedies that I love, and they go up on my 100, top 100 of all time list. And there are some comedies like uh, Princess Bride where it's just not funny okay, to begin stop, with. Stop, stop, <laughs> We're almost out of time. If you don't, okay, no more Princess Bride for the rest of the time. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I'm going to see five. I'll just, I'm. You're doing it five? Yeah, I'm not going to think about it. I'm going to five. All right. So then uh, what is the uh, calculation here? What is our total score for Austin Powers? 54. 54. Our second worst reviewed movie of all time. Um, uh, above what? Uh, above Birds of Prey. Guess what? It got the same exact score of Princess Bride. <laughs> the Princess Bride. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and, and that is the most depressing note we could possibly end but, on. But right but I there. think it's because you and me we had pretty level, like equal comparisons. Here we were equal. Princess Bride, we were literally we were, 0 and 10. Yeah, it was like total <laughs> night and day opposites here. It's like and right, here it was right there. Just like fives all the way across. Yeah, pretty so much. It's weird. But, uh, yeah, so that was our review of Austin Powers, and before that was Tenant. Thank you for tuning in to Script to Screen, and uh, yeah, stick around because there's plenty more great programs coming up next. <laughs>